Good morning and welcome back to a Wednesday filled with lots of excitement and awesome human beings with us today. Welcome to Rookies and Rockstars. It's awesome to be back. Unfortunately, the Simba, the one darling heart is away shooting as celebrities do, you know. So he's doing his top billing shoot today in Cape Town. Travel safely, Simba. We love you and miss you. And we will see you back here next week. But for now, we are just kind of in awe of who we have. We're so excited. This is such a cool trio. I can't tell you how excited I am to get going. Just to recap on last week, I ate a Mepani worm for Heritage Day. Didn't swallow it. Couldn't. So we had a cool last week with Heritage Day. We had Boyd and Barnardo from a super, super cool styling barber vibe going up in Mulville. That'll open tomorrow. So if anyone's into the comb over and whatever vibes, and also they're apparently going to be doing like a chop tattoo scene as well. You can chop and trim and cut and chop and whatever they do. So we had such a cool Heritage Day special here. And then obviously it's been quite a busy September because there's so many themes going on. It was International Coffee Day this week, which is awesome. So I hope that all three of you will enjoy your Seatless Brew. Very excited for that. Yes, but before we chat, let me introduce Drumroll. I'm never great at the Drumroll. I'll leave the Drumroll out. But we are following on from Social Media Week. And as you know, for some of you who heard, the two social identity peeps came in from Cerebra about three weeks ago. We had Tanya and Lee. Lipat, hey, yeah, no, how do you say it, Mike? Liash. Liash, sorry, I was close, so you'd probably kill me. But but his his Twitter handle's Lily something like that. Lily Pad. Yes, okay, that's where I got confused, okay. So, now joining us is the top dog. So we've we've had uh, the crew in who created this amazing social identity, and now we've got the CEO, Mike Stopforth, with us, which is such a treat. So thank you for stopping by. Thank you for having me, Jade. Yay. And then I think it's necessary to say that, that I'm a little disappointed in Simba for not being here because <laughs> I cancelled my modeling shoot in Mauritius. So I get that he's having a photo shoot in Cape Town, but, you know, I prioritize this. So next time I think he could maybe rethink that, you know, because. <sighs> totally. Yeah. I mean, at the cheek. Okay, no. My modeling career, his TV career. Yeah. We're just going to tell the boss. We're going to actually have a word with Gareth, and I think that might deserve a little written something there. Who knows? So, Simba, I hope you heard that. Mike is not pleased. Turned down massive loot in Mauritius. Anyway, with um, the whole social media vibe, we are chatting to somebody who I've managed to get to know over the last couple of months um, via social media, which is quite ironic. And then also now meeting her is Janet from Rubio. So, welcome, Janet. Thank you, Dave. Lovely to be here. Yay. And lastly, um, something that... We were just chatting about off air is that 
with this whole social media wave and kind of what's happening in our country, in the world, within businesses, within your own personal capacity, a major, major, major trend and something that needs attention with the social media is culture within your workspace. So Don Muller from the Apple Tree. Is, I don't know if you do you say the apple tree catalyst or do you just say just, the apple tree? Just apple tree. No, the. Okay, cool. <laughs> apple, apple tree, tree. culture catalyst. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so welcome, Don. Thank you so it's much. Jen. Awesome to have you. Don is also the founder of the most epic collaborative workspace in Durban called the Set. So, yeah. if ever you're in Durbs and you need a space to work from, it's amazing. I was there yesterday. It's it's really really cool. Um, so we've got these three and there's just so much to talk about. So we're not going to be uh, at a loss for words here, especially with Mr. Stopforth, I'm sure. So let's start with you, Mike. There has been a lot happening from a Cerebra point of view, from a book launch point of view. Clap, clap, yay for you. you. Um, and then also from last week, I saw that you were on stage with Stafford Massey. Um, we've also had his girlfriend with us before, Lisa. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah. yeah um, so let's, I mean, you know more about how to break it down than me. So in terms of social media in South Africa and also then managing a social media agency, what's, where are we? How are we doing? What, what are the points we should be highlighting, looking, looking at, talking about together with other social media guys like Janet's? Cool. So, so I think we can agree collectively that social media is not a fad. Um, yes. The the overwhelming response from our clients, and we're lucky because we get to get get to deal with some clients that I think have this as a primary business consideration because of the sheer size of their their customer audience or the amount of staff that they have on board or whatever it may be. And the the emphasis is shifting, and this is why I'm so fascinated to hear what Don's going to say today. The emphasis is shifting away from, okay, let's solve customer service problems or position our brand in a cool way on Facebook or Twitter. Because I think there are many people that can offer advice about how to do that. And reams and reams are written about best practice for brands in social media. What we haven't really spoken about at length is the relationship between the employer and the employee who's now using social media to build a personal brand, to publish their thoughts and opinions. And, and I guess what happens is that a company's, both a company's brand and also its culture is being embedded in the story and the narrative that people share online on these channels, right? So your, your corporate failure and success or your business failure and success is archived and searchable and indexed in the tweets and the Facebook updates and whatever of your employees and of your customers. That's flipping scary for any business owner, right? So, yeah. um, but even more so, I think, for big companies that are inherently complex and have spent many years getting used to the fact that they can prescribe culture and prescribe brand to mm-hmm. their employees and their customers respectively. So that conversation about how do employers use social media to engage their employees better, that for me is far more exciting and far more pertinent than how do we use Twitter to improve improve our brand reach, whatever it may be. <laughs> exactly. Don? Yeah, I think um, taking a step even back, there is a lot of noise that could potentially go out there when it comes to tweets and Facebook updates. And it seems like a lot of companies or brands feel like, well, I've got to get into the space. I've got to get content out there. But I think the user is getting um, quite frustrated by how much noise we get confronted with. So... I think the, 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 the corporates and the, the brands and the, the, the entities that really seem to be, and I mean, you guys are the experts here. I'm, I'm speaking more from an observation point of view. But what we really try and encourage an organization is to try and 
almost understand what their brand stands for? And then how do they almost use their social media channels to communicate that message? Um, because then I think that's where the employees, when there's a very clearly articulated um, reason for existence, uh, that's when the employees find that whatever they might be hopping onto social media about the company that they work for, they're actually from them are communicating the company DNA, if you know what I mean. So there, it's, it's, it's vitally important that an organization starts more around, and this really helps drive a corporate culture forward, is in essence, how do we do things around here? What is it that we stand for? And then when you get employees authentically on social media platforms communicating that, when I look in on your brand and I see not only is the brand communicating something, but the employees that I see are, are, are almost communicating a similar message in their own way, I feel it goes a long way to, to sort of drive the brand credibility as to what they're putting Here's out. the problem, though, and I'd love to hear what Janet thinks about this, but but when we when we speak to people in the business who own brand, right, mm. marketing directors yes. or CEOs or whatever, their ideas of what their brand are and what their company's culture and DNA is is often very different to Correct. what the employee on the ground or the customer that's actually interacting with that product or service would say, right? And I think the distance between what they're saying it is and what people – the people who actually mm-hmm. work in that business or use that product are saying it is, is more of a risk than them not saying anything whatsoever, you Correct. know? So, I mean, Janet, I don't know if you're experiencing mm-hmm. that with, with your clients, that they, they have an idea about what they should be, but you're like, hold on a second, your customers feel differently to that. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that we always try to bring to the table um, when we are discussing this with our customers in terms of how they can handle social media for their businesses, we are talking to them all the time about authenticity. So, Don, you just brought that word up. Um, authenticity, unfortunately, will only be there if it's in the business culture to begin with. So that's easy to handle when there's a couple of people in the business. As soon as you become a gigantic corporate, how do you make sure that that authenticity goes right from the top all the way down or vice versa? And then it's then that you're going to see those kinds of um, uh, communications from the employees actually marrying with the vision or um, the goals in terms of marketing for that business. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, that's exactly why you three are here because we we kind of chat to you about where you are with your business. And like we said when before we came on air is that we would we want to hear from you so if you have a question because now's a great time you've got three experts in their field kind of going to hash this out and and we want to know the hows and whys of where you are in your business you can phone in on 0861 you can join the conversation on wechat on the official cliff central group or you can vibe with us on twitter we're at rookies rockstars at cliffcentral.com but i think mike so i think the how is the big question because you've just everyone said mentioned very valid points in terms of mark smith ceo of abc construction thinks that they are authentic and they can like to encourage a great culture and then as you say the little kippy in the front desk she's like actually no yeah, this is a bit Exactly. So, I mean, the, the major question is, is how? Because it's all very well us identifying that there's clearly a problem between the person managing and, you know, the, the gatekeeper at the bottom and the guy at the top. I hate to look at it like a hierarchy, but that's what it is. Um, but I mean, how? So, if I had a, I think, 
like a rant for every time I've heard a consultant or a social media guru or you know people like me telling companies that they need to be authentic to differentiate in the future. I, I'd be I'd be a lot richer, right? <laughs> so, um, which would be nice, um, but I'm not. So so so. The question is why? Why are we telling people to be authentic? And, and the reason we're telling people to be authentic is that I think companies are realizing that in this internet governed world, in this world where it's as easy to shop at ASOS online as it is to, in fact, it's easier than to do that than to drive to Woolworths down the road, right? In this world, it's virtually impossible for companies to differentiate on the product they sell because everything is so easily copied and replicated and, and, and stolen. Um, uh, the price at which it is that, I mean, Seth Godin talks about companies being on a race to the bottom. Like everybody just undercuts everybody else on price until there's zero value in the market, right? So there's, there's price mm. wars. And then there's also like a geographical positioning issue, right? Because the fact that you are my local, uh, whatever it may be, my local dry cleaner doesn't actually impact on whether or not I'll use you as a service because it's just so easy to use like a concierge service or an online service or whatever it is that makes it so much easier for me to make that decision. So the only thing you have left to differentiate on is your personality. And authenticity, I think, is one of the key pillars of personality. Now, authenticity is not about being faultless. It's not about being perfect. I think authenticity is about being open, honest, transparent and consistent that's probably the more important thing Mm -hmm. what irritates customers i find and what irritates staff is if we promise to be something that we're clearly not if we promise to be shitty and average and we deliver shitty and average generally people are okay with that because they expect shitty and average right but if you promise to be remarkable and amazing and you're shitty and average in delivery that upsets both customers and employees right and Mm -hmm. we don't want that we really don't want that kind of dichotomy so so at Cerebra, we go around telling our clients, you need to be authentic. And we've realized that if we don't do that in Cerebra, that we're being fundamentally hypocritical ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I would hope that when I wax lyrical about what we are as a business and who we are and how important it is to us that our employees do well and that our customers see value, that when you speak to our customers and our employees, that they go, yeah, that's that's true. That's actually what this business is about. And you know, Mike makes a profit, but he makes a profit as a byproduct of the fact that we're happy and a byproduct of the fact that our customers are happy. I think that's how business will do well in future. You make a product, but not at the expense of people, as a byproduct of happy people. I also think that the authenticity thing comes into play when we're talking about how um, people are, in this day and age, completely bombarded by marketing messages from the second you wake up and, and switch on your smartphone to the second you put your head on the pillow and switch off your smartphone. And I think if you're authentic... It, it it switches off that sort of marketing speech that I'm selling something to you right now in this post or in this tweet. And if brands can um, start to switch off that we have to sell in every single post or tweet or message on social media, they're going to be 10 steps forward in making sure that they're coming across in an authentic manner, that they are conversational, and that they're approachable. Because as we Definitely. as we now start dealing with more and more brands online and socially, um, we're building relationships with those brands in in a way that we've never been able to do before. I mean, it's very hard to to build a relationship with a billboard. You might drive past it every morning, but you can't converse with that. No, and it's it's interesting that you mention that because you know when Liash, so when the guys came in from the social identity, one thing that stood out for me, although it's Pretty much common sense, which is something I'm striving for. <laughs> but he was like, it's so interesting that you're driving on the road. People, the consumer is not even 
looking at the billboard anymore. They're so ing- it's, I know it's sick, but the reality is I reckon 80% of people are on their phones while they're driving. And he's like, the billboard thing, he's like, are you even, do you even think they're still looking at the billboard, dude? They're not even looking at the billboard or on the road. They're not even focusing on the road. Never mind your billboard. So like Don says, if you're gonna get a loud hailer and make a noise, feeding back into what you're saying, make sure that the noise you're making is a pretty cool one because otherwise everyone's going to freak out. And it, I was just, I never thought about it like that. I was like, actually, yeah, Liash, that's a good point. Here they are. They're driving. They're not even focusing on the road, let alone all the other crap that's coming past them. Like, from, a, you know, it's a deep seated irony there, right? So, so Richard Mulholland says if billboards did their job, they should be illegal. Because by rights they should be, I guess, distracting us from driving. <laughs> exactly. So, so, um, so in the same way that our phones, I guess, are a, a mobile digital billboard um, for many brands. Um, if billboards really did their job, they should be illegal. No, exactly. So, sorry, Janet, carry on. I just thought it, I was, I was just um, the billboard thing. I, I never mm. thought I, I realized how epic and how real and organic the content needs to be now because we are. We are. I'm actually. I get angry. I actually get. Mull. Like when I, the messages I get, I'm so over the lame. Like I get Hootsuite and I understand it's, I understand it's, I get it from like a having to set a time management thing and saving you time. But then if you're going to pre, what's the word? Pre book. What pre-schedule. do you do? Pre schedule, yeah. If you're going to pre schedule your tweet, don't make it absolute. Sell me, buy me, can you please mm. sign up? Mm. And I think that's, I think that is going to be one of the biggest challenge, challenges for, for, um, agencies and, and businesses like Rubio, where we are in some cases managing, um, brands' reputations for them online, is that that authenticity needs to come through. Yeah. Whether it's coming from the brand itself or via a channel like a Rubio. And that is a major challenge that we are, um, uh, a conduit for the client mm-hmm. and we still have to ensure that they sound like they are having that conversation with you, the consumer, without it, you know, breaking down along the way. Definitely. So I think that not only do we have that challenge of um, how do we as a business sound authentic from the top down, but how do we, once we get to the point where um, it's not managed in-house but managed by other businesses... How do we ensure that that is consistent as well? It's very difficult. Yeah, no, I think, I think that you, I think that brands from a large corporate level face the challenge as well as small businesses. And I just, I just want to touch on the small businesses. So if we, Don, if we take the set, yeah. let's take the set as an example. Um, I think that what's, what's really cool is when you've built something that's awesome. Like if I walk it, I walked away from the set on, Tuesday and I was like, I wanted to tweet about it. I yeah. wanted to tell other people that you need a, if you're in Durban and you don't have a place to go to, go and work there. And that's kind of what's not always in the corporate jargon or the corporate like vomit that comes out and what you're seeing on social media. And I know it leads back to authenticity, but also how do they do that all the time? Because at the end of the day, we're encouraging social media to grow your business and your brand. So how do you find the balance between not wanting to be this revolting, buy me, sell me, click here to whatever, with, but at the end of the day, I as a brand am also using this platform 
to grow my business because the smaller businesses, so the, like the guys from the culinary workshop, they were in here last week. They prepared my beautiful Mapani worm with the lime and the chili salt. <laughs> but um, they came in and he was saying, Graham was saying that without Facebook, they probably would have less than 50% business. So again, I come back to the how only because we get it all the time. We, we are asked by the small businesses in this country of how do you marry that? Because you, you don't want to sound generic and you also want to be real and organic. But I'm going to disagree a little bit though, okay. Jay, because I don't think our job is to convince companies to use social media. Our okay. job is to convince companies not to be assholes. And if social <laughs> media is a good way not to do that or a good way to solve some of those issues or social media and communicating with staff is a great way of resolving some of those gaps mm-hmm. and those pain points, then great. But I mean, we've advised as many people not to be on social media yeah. as we have to be on social media because I think if if an organization is so inherently broken, schizophrenic and cancerous inside, social media is one of the worst places to put them. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to promote more brokenness and more pain and so on and so forth. And and I don't know that that really, really solves the problem, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think this channel is for everyone and I don't think this channel is for all individuals. Um the idea that social media is a, is a prescriptive channel for everyone is, is just, it, it's a very limited notion. It's useful, I think, only as much as that individual is, is happy to be valuable to the community and credible and honest and transparent, as much as we would advise, um, our clients to do the same. So yeah, I don't think our also, end goal is to, yeah. And also just there. So what we often find is that someone has this knee-jerk reaction, I have to be on Facebook because everyone's on Facebook. And so we'll set up a Facebook page, but then completely neglect it. Mm. So if you are going to go that route and it is going to work for your business, then you actually have to be there. It's a social channel. You have to be social. Mm. And that sounds obvious, but people just can't get that right. So you have to actually go out there and have a conversation with your consumer. If you can get that right... Yeah, and I think so. Ahead fe- of the pack so already. Feeding, so feeding back into the schizophrenia, Don's kind of on the jawbone journey with us. So we turned yep. six in October. Um, I mean, we're a young company. We're we're young owners of a company, and we've we've kind of built it to a point. And then we realized, okay, cool. Perhaps we are a little bit schizophrenic, kind yep. of in 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 what we in in, in what we know with execution on how to start mm. communicating on these channels. And the guy who's rebranding us has said that exact thing, Mike. He's like, actually, dudes, just like hit the pause button a little bit and still be active, but let's get your DNA right. Yeah. Let's understand, like, like Don is saying to us, what are you here to do? Why does Jawbone exist? Mm. Why are you in the business world? Yeah. And I'm afraid if your answer's money, you no. You remember that, eh? Yeah, I do. Yeah, look, I <laughs> but think I mean, we, it's, it's exactly what you're saying. Like if you go, and that was when I was like, flip, mm. if you're going to get the loud hailer, cool, mm. get the loud hailer, but then be ready to make sure that whatever comes out yeah. is solid. A- am I able to argue again? No, damn it. I, no, no, wait, wait, wait. I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree that finding your why, finding your story, finding your purpose as an organization, is absolutely imperative and more yeah. so now in this day and age because I think 
employees want a place they can believe in to yeah. work at. They don't just want a, a salary. And well, I mean, some do just want a salary, but, uh, <laughs> and customers, I think, buy products that they believe in over and about. I, I mean, I'm trying to understand why people are still buying iPhones when, yeah. when there is no clear advantage over Android mm. competitors in that market. And the reason they do it is because they believe in the brand. They fundamentally, it's a religious experience dealing with Apple, right? Mm. So, so, but I, I don't, I don't think that making money is a bad reason for having a company. So even the only reason, and I think there's some people that are unapologetically in business just to make money. That is okay. As long, as long as that's what they say Correct. they're in, you know what I mean? So, oh, yes, yes, yes. so, so okay, that's no, no. for me again, so it's about authenticity. Okay, okay. So if I'm unapologetically capitalistic and materialistic and all I want is to get huge profits out of my people, as long as they know that and they're kind of okay with that, then that's fine, right? You are a minion. But when you pretend to be this altruistic, oh, it's all about hugs and kisses and loves, but all you really want to do is squeeze every last drop of productivity out of that person for profit. Mm. That's bullshit, right? Yeah. And that's when people get upset. Correct. And I think that's, that is fundamentally the opposite of authenticity. So even though when I was speaking to you, um, asking that question, if the answer is just money, well, then that's what we need to communicate. Yeah. I mean, social Very media at the end yeah. of the day is a communication channel. It's how are we communicating w- why we are in business. Yeah. And one of the major frustrations for us, or I suppose even the way that we actually end up getting business, is because we'll walk into an organization and we'll see these three amazing words on the wall, <laughs> and then we actually start working with the staff, and they are living out the total opposite of what we see on the wall. And so often, words on a wall is just another way to communicate. Uh, sometimes it can be word on a, twi- uh, on a tweet. or yeah. So there needs to be, and that's what I love about what Mark is saying, you just need to be able to put your flag in the ground or this is why we're in business. This is why we exist. I mean, the, you're speaking a little bit about the set. Uh, the main reason why we wanted to start that was we wanted to create a cool place where significant people could do significant work. That was it. Now, is it the biggest revenue spinner? No. Okay, so if we wanted to make money, I wouldn't be putting my energy into that. We've got other avenues to make money, but we wanted to have a cool place in Durban where significant people could do significant work. And that's what we try and communicate, although I'm not a social media guru. That's what we try and get consistently. No, at least you know who you are, like yeah. Mike's saying. At least you're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not a capitalist. I'm not, yeah. a, I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah. And if it is, if, and it, if, you are, if cool. it is those <laughs> things around, you know, sometimes you'll find that someone has started a business. They're incredibly passionate about why it is that they started that business. But yet as they've grown, as they get bigger, they immediately presume that everyone else feels as passionate as they, as they do. So I just then assume that you will engage with what you do on a day-to-day basis with the same level of enthusiasm, with the same level of authenticity, but they've never been included as to, well, why, why do we believe this? Yeah. And I think that's where the relationship between leadership and, and owners and the actual staff, they need to somehow effectively be not only drawing customers into their story, but the employees into their story. Because then it makes sense if we say we have a value of, um, you know, passion. How are we actually going to live that out? It makes sense when I look at your story. Actually, the way this business started was because I had a passion for something. It does make sense. But at the same time, don't say we're passionate or don't say that we're here to be the best for whatever industry. But actually, deep down inside, all I want to do is make money. I think you, you probably would actually be more successful yeah. if all our tweets, all our communication on the walls was all about we're here to just make a buttload of cash. Flip. Okay. So we're definitely on to something. I'm excited. We are going to play you a tune and then we will be right back on Rookies and Rockstars. Do not go away.
Heart is uh, gonna just wind down a little bit here. We had a little bit of an off-air conversation, but we are. We this is so cool, and this is exactly why Simba and I believe that rookies and rock stars is here. Because really, guys, the reality is that your business needs to be real. And right now in South Africa are real issues that have got awesome solutions and awesome teams to find those solutions. So we kind of left off with, geez, you can actually hear me panting. Can you actually hear how Mala got just right there in that conversation before we came actually back? Actually, can't Whew. hear you talking. It's so Oh, I know. Okay. So, so what we, what we were talking about just before we had that wonderful tune from Duncan is we were saying that how, like, what is our role as as service providers, specifically you guys with culture and social media, and we were going to kind of carry that conversation on, Don. So mm. from your side, let's let's move into into that space again. So, I mean, we, we were having a little bit of a conversation here too with Janet around. Well, there's there's there is nothing wrong with the notion of trying to make money. Yeah. But she was speaking about the fact too, uh, uh, around how she can still add value through her expertise to that client. Yes. So I would argue that potentially if she was in a different field where she didn't get to add that value but still made the money, she wouldn't feel as engaged with what she's doing as she does now. Yeah, never, ever. Um, and I think that's the vital thing too, is not to say the two aren't mutually exclusive. I think too often people think if I'm living off or, or if we're in business for a specific purpose, it has to be a charity. Or, or it has to be, you know, going to build orphanages somewhere. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be that. It's what is uniquely you? What are you flipping good at that yeah. you can add a lot of value? And I can still be very successful in it. Um, a classic example that, that I've always found quite in- inspiring and, and potentially is also quite controversial um, is the guy, Blake, who started uh, Tom's Shoes. I don't know if you guys know too much about Tom's Shoes. but um, Don't he, they donate 
Yeah. A pair every time you buy a pair or something along those lines? Every time you buy a pair. And he's got a very interesting story where he was backpacking through um, Argentina. Yeah. And uh, he saw that in Argentina, kids couldn't go to school because they didn't have shoes. Because there's a disease that spread on the soil. So if you didn't have shoes, you couldn't go to school. And he thought, this is ridiculous. How can it be that these kids don't have shoes? Now, what I love about his story, too, is he faced a decision at that moment. He was already an entrepreneur and started a company. He could have chosen to sell that company and give the money to a particular organization in Argentina to try and get shoes for kids. Mm. Okay, And then maybe would have got them to so much, given a bunch of shoes and would have been, well, I did my bits. Um, he could have chosen to maybe leave America and move to Argentina and try and help the kids out there, which is kind of what we hear happen a lot of the time too. But what I, uh, to cut a long story short, what I love about what, what Blake did was he looked at himself and he had always had a value of generosity, but he also believed that he was a flipping good entrepreneur. So he married the two and he said, what if I had to use my entrepreneurial flair to start a company that manufactures shoes? But at the same time, integrated into that is this idea that by engaging with me and my product, we will also still live out generosity. Oh, beautiful. So um, go check it out. It's very interesting. Any of you want to go check it uh, out? Yes. And shoes? I, that notion of doing business and doing good at the yes. same time is bizarrely foreign to industrial age corporations, right? Yeah. So, so much so that we developed entire legislation around Section 21 companies because if you wanted to do good, yeah. you'd have a different kind yeah. of company. Even worse for me is that we have CSI departments. Yes. So you outsource good to mm. a department in your business and then you PR that shit, right? Because yeah. yeah. like, you're like, yeah, we did some good. We planted <laughs> some trees. We're not completely evil. Mm. And uh, But what's even better for me is is that, that we're comfortable with that, mm. right? So, so, so that's almost as bad for me as that, like the guy that goes to church on Sunday yeah. at 9 a.m. in the morning yeah. and beats his wife on the Correct. way home. Like we have a department yes. for good and then the rest of the yes. time we're just inextricably bad. And that's the opposite of authenticity. Yeah. So, and, and I think... It's hypocrisy. Yes. Yeah. It is, and I mean, if I was going to engage with Mike in my business, mm. okay, even though he's not giving me a pair of shoes, I still walk away and I feel like he's added value. And I think that's what you were speaking about, Janet. It's like you are doing what you're incredibly skilled at. Um, you're not doing it to me for free. I'm paying you. But yet you walk away and I walk away. And there's, there's, there's this idea of we've almost bettered each other's what we put in our hand to, which is incredibly important. And that's where I think if companies – because you spoke about the idea that the industrial thinking is almost foreign to that. Well – if you can actually think about what it is that you're in business for, if you can see that as actually adding value somehow, and it's, we actually add value to our industry, um, it can be as rewarding and actually beneficial to the staff that are involved in that. Because now we're not just part of helping the big guy buy his Ferrari and live in the fancy estates. Actually, by, if I was uh, working for Mike, indirectly, when I go visit a client, I'm adding value to that client. So I've got purpose when I wake up in the morning. Um, it's not just about the salary. Yeah, so, so I don't think doing good and doing business at the same time are just possible anymore. Yeah. I think they're imperative. Yes. So I think it's moved from being something that you can do to something that you must to do. So I don't know how much longer companies that can, that do good, so do good as an outsourced department or a CSI department or are, are inextricably evil yeah. and capitalistic. <laughs> and by the way, I'm yeah. unapologetically a capitalist, right? Yeah. Like more than happy to, to admit mm -hmm. that. I just think that there's a time of, conscientious capitalism that, yes. that is required now over and above this sort of industrial age yes. let us abuse people as much as we possibly can for money kind yes. of mantra so so doing business and doing good at the same time is not just cool mm. it's absolutely critical to survival yeah
So, yeah. so an interesting way to look at that. We, I mentioned I was in Durban, and we kind of presented to an organisation there, and something that they've challenged all. So, so they've put out this pitch, which is my best not, <laughs> and we kind of all have to do it at risk, which is fine, whatever. But something that they've said, it's targeting LSMB and C, so now we're going into the townships, and they've challenged every single agency who is pitching that one or two at least of your team who are involved in the brainstorms have got to be from that LSM. So they don't, they're not, they're over saying, what's your BE status? They find they're like, cool, okay, you guys can wangle that through this and that and you can come with a certificate and you can be BE. But I like this new thinking. They're saying, cool, hundreds, hmm. we've got your certificate, you've passed the first round, but now I want you to think about this. We want you, if we're going to go and sample a in-house brand to Jabalani Mall people and to Maponya Mall people, cool, but I want to know that the people who created the engagement points hmm. on your team were from that LSM. Wow. And that's never happened before because it doesn't. <laughs> you know, everyone just kind of, you get your BE person in and you wangle it and you come with your BE level two, three, whatever. But never before have I had an FMCG say to me, cool, we'll take on your work. We'll approve whatever you come back with as long as you can prove to me that the people involved in this were from that LSM. So that's hardcore. And why do you think they're doing that? Oh, Don, don't, don't you dare try and extract from me. I hate <laughs> it when you do that. So, I mean, I get it. And I think yeah. it's, I think that's kind of the whole them living out the yes. authenticity of we want to do good, but not in the whole, not again, to Mike's point, not that the whole CSI we give to this organization, we give to that organization yes. is bad. But I like the way that they're changing how mm. people think about it and Correct. that it actually becomes real so mm. that you can't just sort of answer your question. Mm. Like I, I think that obviously it's, it's to avoid this whole certificate thing being slipped under, okay, cool, stamped, approved, be fine, and nothing actually – there's no yeah. implementation of Correct. that whole notion. So it's flippin' cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, so I think – and feeding back to your point, Mike, about what you said in the beginning about this whole price war thing, I think in our experiential space, we we are facing that on a massive level. And it's very hard because you're trying to grow your brand, you're trying to grow your business. And the sad reality of the brands who buy into into the – I can't say what you say. Say the word starts with a B and ends with puffy. What? Be puffy? Be puffy. Okay, don't then. Don't. Okay, leave me hanging. Okay, so. I have so many words. I'm not sure which one you're I'm not to. ever going to play 30 seconds with you. You've got to get on my wavelength. <laughs> Starts with maybe? a B. Yeah. It's an animal opposite to a cow. Okay. Yeah. Bullshit? Yes. Okay, oh, okay so. Good, good, yeah. So the corporates that buy into that. And then what they're saying to us is that they will only use us if they see that we've worked with other blue chips mm. or with other FMCGs. And that's a really hard game to like a hard game for us to play because what if you haven't, but you're really good, but you can't get there because the other guys who are 10 times your size are undercutting everything you do. This is incredibly difficult and there's no one answer to it, right? It's actually so, frustrating. So, so we, so we've done two things, but it helps that we're in quite a niche space. So we're not necessarily um, competing against multiple players that, that I think have, 
have the ability to scale at the same rate that we do. But one of the things that we, we decided we wouldn't do was compromise on price. Mm-hmm. Because fundamentally, um, if we started doing that, it became very difficult to stop that downward spiral, right? Yeah. So, so, so we decided that we'd rather lose something on price with a clear conscience than compromise on price and do inadequate work because we, we, you know, obviously had to compromise. I also find, if I can just interject there, I also find that oftentimes it's not so much the price that I go back to uh, a client with, but rather what you are. E- what you're offering them in terms of the value that you're going to add to their business. So like um, Mike, you said earlier, we will go and buy an iPhone as opposed to um, a Samsung or, a, or something of the equivalent. We, we might actually spend more for that product because of the value or what, whatever it adds to our lives. And I feel that the same is for businesses. Yeah, but you know what, Janet? Sorry. You know what? I'm, I never interrupt, but I'm interrupting because it's close to my heart. Do you know what the challenge is? The challenge is the corporates. they don't – it's all about – it's become all about yeah. bottom line. 2014 has become about bottom line, okay? Yeah. And unless you are an established Cerebra, it big wasn't business. always – No. Big no. business is about bottom line. Yeah. That's yeah, what it is. I know. It's, it's about limiting headcount, maximizing bottom line, and delivering shareholder value. That's what it's about, right? So we make a profit at the expense – of people. So they'll buy the Samsungs. They don't care. It's not going to change now, Jade. It's not going to evolve now. Um, I think this is a, is, is a battle that smaller businesses that have real value to add will continue to fight for a very long time. But what I can encourage you uh, about is that you are going through this exercise of understanding your unique value proposition, right? And the more the more efficient and effective that story is and the better mm. you do at telling that story and helping other people tell it for you. I mean, we're lucky that We've done, I think, an okay enough job that a lot of people tell the story of Cerebra for us. So when we arrive there, there's already, there's already a narrative and we only have to deliver on that, that kind mm. of, that reputation. Sometimes yeah. not good. But, you know, and, and, and I think that, re- that doesn't happen overnight, right? I mean, that, that's like seven or eight years of slog. Yeah. So, so, um, I don't think, there is a quick fix to that. I don't yeah. think that corporations are suddenly going to decide that they feel uh, like helping out us small businesses by giving us a little bit of a, um, uh, a, a bit of slack. That's not going to change, right? These, these corporations are banks and they function on, uh, you know, yeah. delivering immediate services, pay on 90 days. They make a fortune out of the interest, the money, the money that belongs to us that they hold in the bank. I mean, we could go on about this for ages, but, but <laughs> it's not going to change yeah. that dynamic. Uh, what's going to change that dynamic is I think that the broader macroeconomic movement is towards conscious capitalism, and that is going to change the way that those companies do business, probably from the inside out, right? Mm. Probably from unhappy employees mm. outwards. Um, we've just got to continue refining what we do and promising better value and a better service and then delivering on that. And and that's the very best we can do. If we still fail, then then that's cuck. Yeah, that that is. What what what's you? Yeah, uh, well, you're picking up on a on a dilemma or, or often a debate that that we face when we go into corporates because um, a lot of the time, well, we firmly believe as Apple Tree, the reason why we exist is that uh, good culture is good business. The problem, though, is that bad culture can also be good business. Um, if you've got the right systems and procedures <laughs> in place. I know. So I know. it is Tells a struggle. And, and, and that's oftentimes the thinking that, that we have to try and shift. I think we were speaking earlier about a lot of the time what actually needs to shift. Our conversation that we are telling and engaging with people out there should actually be trying to shift people's thinking more than just trying to push your products at them. No, yeah. and, I, and I get that. Yeah. But I think what we're seeing more and more is that we post-modern thinking – 
is driving the consumer a lot more these days. So when I was young growing up, I wanted to wear Quicksilver as big on my T-shirt as I could because I wanted to be associated with that brand. Mm-hmm. Now I want to go and buy a shirt that's made at a market somewhere because I, I believe in the story that's gone behind. We, I don't want a big logo anymore. Because people are wanting to join. I want to be part of the narrative. I want to know why. I don't just want to be branded with the big Quicksilver, for example. Not anything against the brand. But it's just how consumers are changing. Yeah, I know those thinking. guys. You better attract that right now. <laughs> They're amazing. They are incredible. <laughs> I love Quicksilver. I'm just saying that. Retail's doing bad enough, Don. Damn you. <laughs> but the, the, the important thing yeah. is that we have to be asking ourselves that what are we? we can still have great systems. We can still have a great business model we can mm. still be focusing on bottom line but are we ultimately also driving a healthy culture if we had to look at guys like google guys like virgin i was reading on the weekend again that um that uh, richard branson has actually implemented a new policy in the u.s and the uk leave, that yeah. you have unlimited leave you don't have to have uh, you don't have to even get a, uh, approval from your jawbone manager. close your ears jawbone <laughs> close your ears jawbone close your ears <laughs> and obviously you can't just superimpose it onto every business but what i love about what he's done is he said this is our dna now, how can I be driving that, not just with systems, but how can I be driving a healthy culture too? But I think if we trust our employ- employees, it's remarkable what we can achieve yep. or what they'll show us. Exactly. You know? uh, if you think about the nature of most transactional relationships between both employees and employers mm. and brands and customers, it begins with distrust. Correct. You know, it begins with reams and reams of policies and uh, contracts that say, what happens if this fails? What happens when you mess mm. up, right? So you're, you're guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. And I think this kind of element of, and again, this is one of those fundamental social principles that, that we, that exist on, on social media platforms and yeah. that we got quite used to, but we trust people by default and yeah. distrust them when they prove us otherwise. <laughs> so companies are suddenly realizing, oh hell, this is, this flies in the face of everything we've always done, right? Mm. I was chatting to a friend of mine who runs a business the other day. They're, they're an online business and they realized they fundamentally distrust customers who complain about their service. So they require, <laughs> no, but it, I mean, it, no, it, it's no. a natural instinct. No, no. It's a knee jerk commercial instinct to go, these people will have to prove to us that we, that we erred on the delivery before we'll refund. Mm. They said they fundamentally changed their policy, mm. um, because of my book. <laughs> um, and they fundamentally changed their policy and they've decided that they're going to, they're going to refund people by default. Amazing. And rather see whether or not they can prove otherwise. Brilliant. Right? And, and which they're unlikely to do, but they're like, how many people really out there are trying to actively defraud our online business? And they realize very few, but the upward benefit of that brand equity and that brand affinity that comes from saying, we trust you even though we have absolutely no reason to, that's mm. revolutionary. That I changes know. the way people see the brand that is, I, th- I think though, even for me personally, I think it's, I also, ha- I will stand by this that it's got a lot to do with your upbringing. So you actually almost have to outgrow a mind frame of distrust. Do you know what I mean? No, so sure. you, you have to actually get there. You have to be like, cool, this oaks. I'm going to, you're innocent until we prove you guilty, bud. So come in. Or mm. I was at Wilwes and my broccoli was off or whatever, whatever. Mm. But I mean, you are right. So just, sorry, just quickly, guys, is just to go back to um, you, Mike. I unfortunately missed the book launch. And so I know this kind of taps into the content of how that guy who owns that online business. generally family and rent a crowd. You didn't miss too much. I had to lure people with beer and cupcakes. <laughs> I saw that. Those cupcakes were flipping cool. <laughs> they were incredible. They were amazing. <laughs> They're probably about 85 rand each. Um, but let's just quickly, name of the book is? Brand Schizo. Yes. Yeah. And reason why you started that. What was, what was your whole reason behind it? 
So why did I write a book or why did I write a book about that? Why did you write a book about that? So because I think that it it is, and we've touched on it at length in this discussion, but I think that it summarizes this challenge that companies have around making promises or writing checks that they can't cash, right? Mm-hmm. So saying we are one thing and not being able to deliver on that, and that schizophrenia causes massive pain internally and externally with customers. Why I wrote a book was because it's quite lacquer and um, <laughs> it's, <quite laughs> it's like useful as a business card yeah. and um, and because it's a cool exercise to go through. I, there, there's You learn a lot about yourself when you're forced to publish what you know. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, totally. I think we do it in Cerebra quite a lot. We like we, we, we forced ourselves to uh, articulate and publish what we know, and when you publish what you know, you're accountable for it, yeah, which is a different ball game entirely, yeah. right? But scary. But publishing <laughs> is a cool exercise. I, I I really enjoyed it, and I learned a lot in the process. Yeah, that's amazing. Well Thanks. done. And the irony is that there's like a blog with all of that stuff on it, anyways. But nobody reads that, so I think like if maybe <laughs> okay. I put so it in what's book, how then, do we get to the blog? Then uh, it's at uh, com. Okay, sorry, I should have so gone to the blog, eh? No, no, not at all. I'm comfortable with you not having gone to the blog. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, awesome. So, I think that's a, like, in terms of how you're managing your own personal brand, because that's also what we face here is a lot of the businesses are also actually managing a personal brand. So, we've had quite a few, I mean, we've had Bruce Fordyce come in. And it's not always a corporate FMCG or like, I don't know, Janet, you might have clients who, are farm, you know, are farmers or who make clothing or whatever it is. And, and Mike, on that point, how did, did you kind of walk yourself through the same process in terms of that profile as an author for the book as you would give the same, like, would you give the same advice to a client that you were giving yourself in your head, like the internal dialogue? Was it like the same kind of process? Cause just for anyone else who might be going through that same thing, wanting to write that book or to start to publish you know, useful content. So, so you make a big assumption that it's useful content. I think it is content, uh, and it is published. I think, I think, yeah, hundred percent. I think the exercise of just journaling what you learn fundamentally, using a blog or even a written book, is is a great exercise for any business owner or any entrepreneur. Fundamentally, second of all, if you find that any of that is in any way, shape, or form useful to people. Mm. Defining some sort of a story around it, that, that is a great exercise because it helps you know what you know. Then taking that a step further and making it a book, it is a big deal. And it's a big deal because I think people look at it as being a massive achievement. For me, it's of all the, and we've achieved some cool things at Three, but of all those things, it's, it's a very little one, <laughs> but, but it's perceived as being quite a big one, right? Um, so, so that's, that's been, that's been a big learning for me, but we absolutely do encourage our clients, colleagues, and friends to go through the same process. Cause I think just introspectively, mm-hmm. it's incredibly useful. It, it's a cathartic exercise and yeah, I do think it's a useful one. Defo. So just on, on Defo. milestones. <laughs> uh, Defo. Totes. Totes. I, I, I know. I, I, Totes obs. I, I work with youth twice a week, so I'm so have to get down with this stuff. Like otherwise I'm Word. a complete, exactly. Otherwise I'm a complete loser. So lame and gay. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, and have you, have you heard the new one though? Blows my mind. The, like, if we were boyfriend and girlfriend, you'd be my bae. I've heard. So, like, I have not before understood. anyone else, yeah. bae, you're my bae. So, is it like bae, but the no. B is silent? Exactly. Okay. Mm. They've gone quite clever so on like the scene. So, like, knife. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the knife. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so ingenious. I'm down so with that shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, just in terms of milestones, because obviously all of us here, you know, that's what we celebrate as business owners. And one of the things that ins- has inspired the Jawbone crew of of late is we kind of found out about how 
the acquisition of Cerebra was quite a cool process for you as a team, came with its pros and also came with a few cultural challenges. So if we can just quickly just touch on that because we're almost out of time, but just to, because obviously for me now as a business owner, that's quite cool to start thinking exit strategy, but in a different, you know, not in like run for the hills, sprint from jawbone, but just also to not only, so whatever your why is, like Don says, or whatever you're in business, Janet, whatever it is, I think one of the reasons that's actually a cool thing to think about is the possibility of a bigger fish coming to eat you in a good way. Yeah. So, so I think every, every, <laughs> every business owner is faced with that question at some point in time, even if it's the question of, no, I don't ever want to go through the merger or acquisition or sale process. They yeah. might decide that they just want that to be a, a business that is built around them for their entire lives. And that's a cool model. It works. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it derives great value. Um, we decided that, that, that we would do a deal because it made sense from a, from a strategic perspective. What we didn't know was how our, our staff would respond to that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so what we have learned is that if you don't communicate why you've done what you've done and how you've gone through the process effectively, that anytime anything goes wrong in the business, generally that deal will be blamed. Oh, Even if it's got zero, and it's okay. No, no, but I get that. And I understand I probably would do exactly the same thing yeah. if I was in their position. So I get that. So what, what we have learned around it is that there is no greater business leadership skill than effective communication. Mm. Whether it's brand communication mm. or staff communication or communication between partners, that, that's where, that's where the tacky hits the tar. Okay, awesome. That's, that's really, really, really cool. So, I mean, if you, if you're in that stage of your business and you're kind of looking at the possibility or you've been approached, there are a lot of people out there who can kind of guide you through that process. But we just want to say thanks to our guests. I mean, you guys are awesome. I know we don't always get to chat as much as we'd like to, but just thank you for your time. I know that it's a hustle out there. So, Mike, guys can find your book online and so, so, so reasonably awkwardly, it's not online yet, but should be on Amazon soon. Okay. Behold, 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 okay, but behold, where can they buy the book um, right now? If I wanted to buy a brand well, schizo. My house is a good start. <laughs> um, there, there are a few copies in my Don't garage. Don't give that address out right now. There, there are a couple of uh, there are a couple of other copies at Cerebra. So if you do oh, want to pop into Cerebra okay. and come and have a coffee and see what we're about and pick up a book at the same time, you're welcome to do. Maybe just tweet me uh, and I'll I'll put you onto the office so that you can do that. Yeah. So that's at Design Quarter and Four Ways. So that's if you want to get hold of Mike Stopforth's book, Brand Schizo. You can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Stopforth. Janet, they can follow you at at Rubio underscore Janet. That's right. Yeah. And and Don is at D-O-N-N-Y Muller. Yeah. And so, you can follow Apple Tree at, at oh Apple yes. Tree Agency. Apple Tree. So we'll feed back from a jawbone perspective on how the culture kind of has changed yeah. after Mike's, uh, Mike, after Don's come in and done a little sweep through the, the minds <laughs> of our glorious team. And, um, don't tell me what they think of me. I'd rather not know at this stage. <laughs> tell me once you've, okay. once, once you've fixed me. Sure. Um, but yeah, so awesome to have been here, guys. Thanks so much for sharing your insight and your knowledge with, our rookies and rock stars listeners. It's been wonderful having you. Thanks for and, having us. And um, yeah, follow us. Keep in keep in touch. And um, can we I'll high s- five now? Can we? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> high, fives, high fives. High fives. High fives. <laughs> and um, just just a, a small little piece of advice for you if you have a business. Something that Mike challenged me on in the first forty five seconds that I met him. Keep it simple. And if anyone asks you what do you do, you have to pretend that you have to tell your granny. So keep it simple, keep it real, and we will see you next week Wednesday. Bye.